Welcome to Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Uh, Bubba, it is time for another edition uh, to spend about 45 minutes. You know, and like you said, even on the last Rick and Bubba University, the Rick and Bubba show, Hey, You Never Know, Rick and Bubba University, Hey, You Never Know. You know, Rick, we're very fortunate today. I, I looked up and I thought, have I missed Pastor Appreciation Day again this year? <laughs> and uh, and here is Mac Brunson, who is your pastor. Mac, yep. welcome to Rick and Bubba University. Hey, listen, I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Well, and if we tried to list everything, my goodness, Mac. Uh, you, yeah, you, don't. You, did we need to get into all this? No, I mean, your, your education, I mean, Southwest Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, I mean, Dallas Baptist University, Furman, North Greenville College. I mean, these Masters of Divinity. We've got Dr. Mac, how long have you been going to school? Doctorates. All my life, brother, I'm telling you. <laughs> you, know, you know, can I tell you, though, Bubba, Mac is one of those people. He, I, I, When I say he loves to read, I mean, he makes – I mean, he, you – every time I hear you reference, you're reading something. Yeah, I mean, and and so and and your library is vast, and you and you do because you love you love to read. I do, I really do. Yeah, I, I and I got that from my dad. In fact, right now I'm reading the best book right now, not on theology. It's called the Nazi Conspiracy, mm. and how close Hitler got Ooh. to taking the life of Roosevelt, Churchill, and Stalin. Pretty yeah. fascinating. Yeah, and you and you are not afraid to share. Now, you had one the other day. You said it wasn't well written, and you wish yeah, it was yeah. better, but it was all right. We won't get into yeah, that. Yeah, it's on, it's a new book on Lincoln, and it's not that good. So, so you, you know, I I want to be I want to be a better reader, but I find myself when I'm reading before I know it, I'm thinking about where I'm going for dinner. You know right, what I mean? Yeah, I right, drift. <laughs> And, and it's uh, it's something I have to deal well, that's with. That's why you need podcasts like this. You just <laughs> it, is. Listen. it is. I'm much better listening. This much is an better. audio book. Much better. All right, so let's let's jump in. Uh, you know, you you have been at uh, at Valleydale there in Birmingham, Alabama, for three. No, almost five years. Almost five years. Wow. Yeah. I've been there for two. Yeah, I think, yeah. or a little over two now, um, and and so uh, you and I have have uh, have gotten to know each other, which has been great, and I love uh, being under your teaching. But you have been, uh, you know, uh, a pastor for how long now? Over forty years. Yeah, forty one, forty two years, something like that. So, and uh, and and you, uh, you you just felt like that God was calling you, and we've talked about that to this latest endeavor. And so, listening to when when Bub and I are doing the big show during the week. You know, we're in one of those things that Scripture talks about. You know, we're in the world, and then we're you know trying to stay under the authority of Christ and not become of the world. And it's right. it's a it's a can be a balancing we, act. We, we don't pull time. it off uh, every single day, and when we don't, we repent and say, "Lord, forgive us." And but but one of the things that you notice, you got to you know, and we're told this in Scripture: be aware of the times you're living in. Yep. You know, don't don't live as the unwise; live as the wise. That's right. And one of the things that is really under attack right now, and this is going to be topic number one. Okay. The integrity of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have looked into the face of people I love who have said, I just I just don't believe we can trust Scripture. How do we know we can trust it? It was written by people. Uh, it's flawed. Uh, God's evolved. Um, how do you know all of this? And, and uh, oh, by the way, when you get to the Catholic Church, they've got more books than, than what y'all are studying. And, yeah. and, and, and you were talking the other day, and Bubba and I have referenced this before, but you, you laid it out in a way that I wanted uh, the people watching this and listening um, to, to get. How do we trust the integrity? And you compared it as others have. Well, what about all these other historical documents? Mm-hmm. We don't seem to question at all, and they don't have near the the yeah. standard that Scripture does. And and we do know that there were copies made of it. And 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 really, the the longer we go, 
the more we're finding out, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. so so, yeah. so unpack that a little bit. Well, uh, let me start with a scholar, uh, an academic scholar by the name of Bart Ehrman, who is professor, University of North Carolina, has written, good night, 30 books at least, maybe more. And, of course, he, he referenced two things. One is he, he was reared as a Christian in a Christian home, went to Moody Bible Institute, left there, finished up at um, – uh, went on to um, – Yale, I believe it was, and uh, finished his degree at Yale. Was it Yale or Princeton? Uh, he was there under Machen, who was the great Greek scholar. He was Princeton. And uh, got his Ph.D., came out, and then began to slip from his faith, began to really abandon his faith. And he has done as much as anybody that I know of to uh, bring about in higher academics um, the death of Scripture by saying we don't know, we can't know, because there's so many copies. You know, you got copies of copies of copies of copies, and that's what he says. We don't have a copy of the original. We don't have a copy of the copy of the copy of the original, and he just goes on with that. And rather than that being something that discredits, it really is a reason to believe that we have actually uh, – what was written with there are over easily over i'm going to say 6000 manuscripts now when i say that everybody gets in their head this idea um, i'm i'm holding up a cd case here you know the, a a fragment that looks about like that or about the size of a credit card now when i say we have copies uh, the fragments though there are many of them that's not what i'm really referring to the vast majority of the manuscripts that we have are 450 pages. Uh, these are big manuscripts. They are, there are some 6,000 manuscripts right now, 5,800 and something, and those are 2016 numbers, so they have found others since then. So that's why I say around 6,000. These are huge manuscripts uh, of uh, scripture, and um, everybody says, "Well, you've got all of these very, you've got these variants, you, you've got uh, in textual criticism. Well, you've you've got all of these areas or variants where there are mistakes. Well, generally, most of those mistakes are in spelling. For example, um, we've got a piece of." the Gospel of John, now listen to this, that dates back within 90 years of the life of John. Wow. Now just keep that in mind when I, when I give you some of these other statistics. Uh, the variants that uh, Ehrman talks about, you know, well, you've got a variant between this and this. Well, if you didn't have but one manuscript, you would have no variants. Right. Uh, the variants happen to be in spelling, most of it. And that is, for example, the Gospel of John. You've got some that spell it J-O-H-N. Others will spell it J-O-H-N-N. Or some will spell it J-O-N. I mean, how many ways can you spell John? Right. You know? Bunch. Bunch. And, and the thing Even is... today. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll the, call that a variant. 
that's a variant. And they'll say, well, you can't trust it because you say it's a variant. Oh, give me a break. Right. You know, you may have one letter inverted, you know, I before E except after C except before N in chicken. Andy Griffith. Right. Yeah. Uh, I before E except after C. Well, it may be the that they Andy. put, yeah, yeah, you know, they may have just switched those two letters there. So no variant has not a single one that they talk about has ever changed any portion of scripture. Not a one, Nothing not a that. doctrine, not a belief, uh, not even the sentence itself has been changed. So we have, and I meant to bring with me, I have a scroll that is about 500 years old that is from a page out of uh, the book of Joshua. And um, it, I, I meant to bring it because I wanted you to see how accurately they would copy these things mm-hmm. now when and they're just and they're writing right i mean they're just they're, yes I'm they're just, they're making, right i've get the scroll is about i don't know what three feet long and uh two feet tall or whatever it's done on uh, vellum on sheepskin and they have the, the lettering on it is so incredibly precise these guys did nothing but study how to copy uh uh, an ancient manuscript. And, and a lot of times those people were the very intellects of their society, yes. right? I mean, they yeah. were highly technical and That's they exactly were experts right. in language. Yes, they were. They sure were. Like Martin Luther and, and some of his guys that did a lot of the translations were were much more better at the English language than we are, honestly. Well, yeah. Not, well, you know, you know, Luther's Bible, and I've got a huge copy of that, not, uh, it's an, one printed in the 1800s. I wish I had an original, um, but it's all in German. It became the textbook for the German states in how to learn to read and write. And it basically is still pretty much that in Germany today. You'll find those that'll say, yes, this is the foundation of our German language right here. So to say that, that that we don't have accurate copies is just it's not factually correct. Let me let me go off on a little bit of that and okay. show you and All share right. with you. We have manuscripts somewhere around 6000 manuscripts in Greek, Greek mm-hmm. manuscripts. There are 1000, there are 10,000 Latin manuscripts. And then there are those manuscripts that are in Coptic, Syriac, uh, Aramaic, uh, Gothic others like that that are about 10,000. So we have over 25, 26, 27,000 manuscripts of the New Testament. Now just stop and think about that. That's a lot. And these go back, basically, these go back, some of them, as I just said, we have a portion of John that goes back within 100 years of the life of John. Now when you come to somebody like Pliny the Elder, now, if you do, you know, PhD work, you're going to have to get to know Pliny the Elder. He was a scholar. He was an author. He uh, left us about 200 copies of his writings. Those writings go back to within 700 years of the original, but nobody ever questions Pliny. Right. Uh, we had Plutarch, the historian, biographer, philosopher. He wrote the parallel lives. He looked at the great men of his day, uh, the the uh, emperors of his day, men like that. There are only four of those biographies that remain, and um, they go back within 800 years. The, the closest copy to the original is 800 years out. Josephus. Everybody knows Josephus, the Roman historian yeah. who wrote 
who wrote that he was Jewish. He was part of fighting the Romans. The Romans cap- That's a great story, by the way. The Romans capture him. They let him live, and he writes the history of the Jewish wars. Well, there are only 26 copies. Now, get this. 26. Only 26 copies of Josephus. Nobody questions Josephus. Right. You know, Nobody asks about that. And the closest we have to the original is 800 years away from Josephus. So now we have got somewhere around 26, 27,000 manuscripts of the Greek New Testament that go back to 150, 200, 300, and then all the way up, you know. So um, nobody really can point their finger and say, you can't trust the manuscripts. My word, we have got more manuscripts than anything that came out of the – listen, I I love history – I'm, yes, fixing to, I'm fixing to read another book on Hannibal. Love Hannibal, uh, the Carthaginian. You know, we believe that he crossed the the Alps, invaded Rome from the north. We we know that from the from writings, from a few writings that you know. There's not been one piece of archaeological evidence, not an elephant bone, not a coin, uh, not a note left from somebody that said, hey, dear honey, we're crossing the Alps with these crazy (laughs) elephants or anything like that, you know, and yet nobody questions that. We don't have one bit of archaeological evidence at all that he crossed. We just know he crossed the Alps. And no one questions it. And no, nobody questions it in, in the academic world at all. We'll come back. We'll continue our conversation with Mac Brunson on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. This is the Rick and Bubba Show. Watch more at blazetv.com slash Rick and Bubba. Rick and Bubba, Rick and Bubba. So Mac Brunson is, is our guest. We're discussing and have discussed the integrity of Scripture. The point that was just made is that it seems when it comes to the accuracy of the manuscripts of the New Testament, and now how many do we have of the Old Testament? Do you have any idea? It, no, it's, it's a big I really, number, though. I, I, I really don't, but there you've got... Uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls right. that take mm-hmm. it back a thousand years. Right. Um, and for example, the entire book of Isaiah we have, I just saw it a few months ago. I was back in Jerusalem for about the 25th, 26th right. time. Looked, uh, went in there, looked at the scroll of Isaiah again. We've got the entire scroll of Isaiah. There's only one word in the entire book of Isaiah that has a little spelling area. I'm sorry, era in it from what we have. So what what it sounds like, and we've talked about this before, but you've brought new facts, new information. It sounds like that we hold a historical standard for things that are not of God that is much lower. The, these scriptures have far surpassed any standard we've ever laid out yeah, for, sure. for something to be considered accurate. But yet people still claim, no matter how much evidence, which shows you there's a supernatural pushback on this. Sure. Sure. The skepticism is always against the Word of God. Mac, fill in everybody watching and viewing this a little bit about how we got from that point to the Bible we have today. How was it put together? Who did it? Under what authority? And how much faith do we need to put into that process? Yeah. Well, take it to the next step. Well, you've got by the end of the first Christian century, you've got, you know, which is like 99, 90, let's say, because John is still alive in 90 uh, AD. And um, 
you have already got the um, the epistles of Paul, and then by then you have got Matthew, Mark, and Luke have been written. But Paul's epistles were first. You know, a lot of people will say, well, you know, Mark and Luke and Matthew, they were written so like John writes the gospel probably around 90. And, well, you know, all of that about the resurrection, we already have clear testimony within 15 to 20 years by the writing of Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Go look right. at it. He talks about the death, uh, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus all Christ. All the witnesses. Yeah, 15 to 20. He talks about individuals that Christ appeared. We've got better attestation to the resurrection of Jesus Christ than any other historical event. Yeah, I've heard it said several times, more people saw the risen <laughs> Jesus yeah. than ever saw Alexander the Great. Probably and we so, don't even, that's right. We don't even doubt his existence. But how did all of that get into the, canis, the, the, the Bible, yeah. and, and where did that, how did it get to the next? Step? Well, these the churches that Paul had started um, would get these letters from Paul, and they kept them. They began to collect them, and they kept those, and they began to add to those uh, other part, like the Gospels that would be written. They kept that. They added to that. They knew up front these were very important. This was the Word of God. And they felt been... it speaking to them, yes, and, and it was changing yes. people's They knew there was something to it. Well, they knew that. They sensed that. And they put those collections together. I, you know, I can go through a bunch of things like the Muratorian canon and Marcion's canon. Marcion didn't even believe. He, he didn't even believe in the God of the Old Testament. He said that's a different God than the New. But he puts together. So we would say he's not really a Christian, but he put together mm -hmm. a list of the books of the New Testament. And they're added to and they're completed probably around 150, 200, like that, that they've got those 27 books put together. Mm -hmm. Well, um, you've got that early on. I think that's early on. You certainly have all of that together by the time of Constantine and the Council of Nicaea by 325, because everybody wants to say it was at the Council of Nicaea that they decided that Jesus was divine. Mm -hmm. Well, John had already written in that's 90 right. AD, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Right. So... That, that doesn't hold water either. So that was recognized by the early church fathers, and some of those had been led to the Lord. Like Polycarp uh, had been mentored by the Apostle, Paul, uh, the Apostle John. Right. So all of that was put together. They had that fairly early on. We knew. Now, there are extra-biblical books like the Gospel of Thomas, or the Shepherd of Hermes, or some of these others uh, that Enoch, were... Uh, Enoch, Enoch. Well, now that well, goes to the Apocrypha. I got yeah. you, yeah. So you've got the Apocrypha. You were talking about what books do we not have in our... Uh, apocryphal books. And I'm not sure. I, I've not checked recently, but I did read one source that stated that the Catholic Church does make a distinction between proto canonical, which is first canonicals, like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and deuterocanonical, which are second books like Enoch, Maccabees, that. Now, those books are great history books, but they're not scripture. They're not the inspired word of God. Right. Um, I was doing a little research not long ago and was in the book of Maccabees, I believe. 
check in on some historical events. So they're good, they're informative, but that's not scripture. Right. It's Just not- like these extra biblical New Testament books that every once in a while somebody in Egypt will stumble across. Right. We were digging a foundation and we found the book of Judas. Right. But when was the final version put together? What what was that by, meeting? By, when was all that? Well, probably by the year around 200 or so. They had all all the churches recognized these seven these 27 books are the inspired word of God. So early on Certainly by the time of guys like Cyprian and Tertullian and Augustine, all of that was settled by, by the time that they came along. It, not wanting to be offensive in any way to anyone, but is there also, I've heard one narrative, that some of these history books that are not God-inspired, the ones we mentioned, right. that the Catholic Church has added, some of that was in response to the Reformation. Oh yeah, everything. Right. <laughs> that, that once Luther yeah. did that, they tried to come in and say, "Well, we're going to counter that a little bit by adding." Is that accurate? Yeah. Well, Luther added those books. Yeah. Uh, but he listed them literally under the title Apocrypha, which okay. means hidden. Yeah. Um. So he did that, and he recognized that these were clearly apocryphal books, just like everybody else had, just like the early church had. The early church fathers had recognized. These are Mac, let me ask you this. This is this is a tough question. I've been asked this. I don't have a really good answer for it. <laughs> so I thought I'd try you on it. The Bible is full of numbers. Yes. We know we see a lot of numeric things, you know, seven, seventy, all this. With our modern Bible, sixty-six books. All right. It seems like that maybe it should have been seven. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and I've been asked that, and I said, you know, I, I really can't answer that other than to tell you these people said that what they were writing down was inspired, and that's what was canonized into yeah. our current Bible. But you know what? It, it, it does raise a question. Yeah. Have we missed something? <laughs> I don't think so. I believe in what's called a closed canon. Yeah. If, they, if they go out there tomorrow and they dig up Third Peter, right. I'm not going to take it as canonical. Right, you know, I may would read it, would right. use it historically, yeah. right. something like that to understand better. Almost but, like these other books we yeah, mentioned, I, history. I just believe in a closed canon, and and, and, we, and it doesn't hurt to look at some of these as long as you realize uh, they're not inspired. You got to understand the difference. Right? You got to yeah, understand the difference sure. because, because we, I know some people will just they don't want to talk about it. They'd rather bury it in hole, and then other people that want to examine it. But I think you can do. You can look at it, but you don't have to. You put know, it on Christ, the same level, right? I think you got to. I think you have to use caution, though, because if you yeah. if you treat them as God inspired, you can get in some problems. Well, now, here's the thing. Well, that, couldn't you use it more as a history, right? Now, what that, I'm talking yeah, about, but know what you're doing. Make yeah. sure you realize what you're doing. Yeah, I, I would say this: Christians don't need to be afraid. Right. That, that's really why I did this message on all of this. The 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 day that the graduates were recognized, yeah. is to give them something that they could say. Listen. I I don't have anything to be embarrassed or ashamed or shy about or fear about when it comes to the Word of God. Um, so no matter what I read, I've read stuff by Dawkins. I've read sure, stuff we by to, yeah. we've had him on the show. Yeah. You know Hawkins and all of these we've guys. We've had Hitchens on the show. You know, and, we, and and I'm gonna tell you what they they didn't come off honestly is very impressive at all. Yeah. Their arguments against Scripture and against God I found to be kind of 
I, I, felt, elementary. I felt sorry for Dawkins yeah. when, when it was all over. I expected yeah. him to have a better case than he was making. It really wasn't all that impressive. Well, Ehrman's Ar- Ar- is not. Bart Ehrman yeah. is not. Right. And I, feel, I really feel sorry for him because he knew the truth and walked away from it. We're going to come back. We'll finish our conversation with Mac Brunson on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Okay, so Bubba, we talk about this a lot on the program, and you've heard us talk about it in this podcast. We understand you're out there. We have services that we have to 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 use and pay for, and you're like, I don't like sending my money to that company because I see all the stuff they stand for, and it goes against what I believe. And and and, but where do I go? Well, there are many times you don't have much of a choice. But I'm gonna tell you what: when it comes to wireless and and cellular service, you do have a choice, and it's called Patriot Mobile. Uh, and, and don't get into this. Look, there's nothing that drives Bubba and I up the wall more than for somebody to say something is faith-based and they want you to use the product out of guilt, not out of merit. It's not as good. No, it's, it's every bit as good as you're using the same carriers. Okay. You, yeah. and, but Patriot mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, dependable nationwide coverage. And you know, this is what I love about their integrity. If you use them and you don't agree, it's as good or better than anything else you had, then they'll put you back to where Pun you want it and yep. you don't, and, and they'll refund you. So, uh, they, they, they got the same coverage as all the three major networks. You get the best possible service in your area without all the politics and stuff that goes with it. Uh, so when you switch to Patriot mobile, you're going to send a message that you support Support free speech, uh, freedom of, of your religion, the sanctity of life, Second Amendment, military, veterans, first responder, heroes. So they're 100% U.S.-based customer service you'll enjoy, too. So why don't you switch now by going to PatriotMobile.com slash Rick Bubba. Just put our names together. PatriotMobile.com slash Rick Bubba. Or you can call them 878-PATRIOT. When it comes to this, you do have a choice. Patriot Mobile. Mac Brunson is our guest on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. So let's move into another place where we see, and you've seen the world go after this all the time. And this is not, we got to know what we believe and we have to understand scripture. So we've mm-hmm. covered that you can trust it. Mm-hmm. We've covered that. And, and you don't have anything to shy away from if somebody wants to debate you about that. We've covered that. Confusion comes in with the three laws of God, and you just did a message about oh. that recently too. Yeah, how, the, how, we understand the part where the Old Testament is 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 pointing us to Jesus. Right, the whole Bible's about Jesus and and that redemption plan that God uh, began to work on as soon as we failed. We got that, but we get kind of confused some here with his relationship with Israel, mm-hmm. the Gentiles, the wild branch grafted in the right. church, right. where where Paul tells us there is no Jew or Gentile. There is mm-hmm. no Scythian. There is no slave. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all the same people. That's right. However, when you go into the Old Testament, which we're not afraid of, we, we, it's been you know, yeah. f- fulfilled, you see this. I saw this. The first time I saw it was Martin Sheen and that bunch then where they were doing the West Wing, and they pretended to have a character who was a Christian on there, yeah. and they, they, that person was standing up for God's standard of marriage. Right. One man, one woman. Right. Anything in scriptures, even when people got outside of that, God always showed that that was wrong. He was yeah. it was clear what he intended, right. and there were consequences to pay if those, those that didn't follow. Even the great kings that decided to take on more wives, they were told not to do that. Yeah. It was a big disaster. Yeah. And they say, well, you say that the Old Testament says that God considers same-sex relations to be an abomination. Right. 
Well, he also says you shouldn't be eating shellfish and you shouldn't be cutting the sides of your hair. And he talks about you know the washing hands and abstaining from this and and how the you Levitical be- law, the, yeah. the, the Levitical law. And and you you said this as clear as it could be said that even Rick and Bubba can understand because this <laughs> you better is, make it simple. But it's an, it's another thing that we shouldn't be afraid of. And I right. and I'm telling you. A lot of Christians are. They shy away. They go, I don't know how to explain that. So you laid it out perfectly. It's not that difficult. Just understand what the Bible's doing here. Yeah. When you get to uh, Genesis, uh, when you get to Exodus chapter 20, what you're going to do is you come to the beginning of the law. This begins, you're going to get into what's called the book of the covenant that goes through chapter 24 of Exodus. What you have is you have God giving law to his people. Now, you have to understand something here. God's doing something that he doesn't do with anyone else, anywhere else, in all of human history. He's establishing a nation. It's going to be a theocracy. Right. People say, do you want a theocracy today? No, because I don't want somebody else's God. Right. You know, I I, I much prefer the republic that we have. Right. Um. There are three ways or three separations of the law that you get in Exodus and Leviticus. One is you have the moral law. That's the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not commit adultery. That's moral law. That's part of what God is giving there. And it's still good today. Yes, yeah. It's for all of us then and now and forever. You see it written in the hearts of even pagan nations that did not know God. Uh, It was put in their heart because they had laws against murder. They had laws against, you know, um, breaking up somebody else's marriage, against stealing. Well, then you've got a second law that God gave, and that was the ceremonial law. How are you going to worship God? How are these Old Testament people to come before God? That's where you get into the temple and the sacrifice and the altar and all of those things. Then the third thing is this. God's establishing a nation. So you've got to give them civil laws. What am I to do when my camel goes through the intersection and bumps your donkey? Right. You know, and your donkey falls over dead. What what do I do with that? And you have to remember, they weren't driving Buicks. They were driving donkeys and, you know. <laughs> so I- anyway, God gives them civil law. This is this is civil law that you – now, all three of those are interwoven in and out. And you have to have a little bit of common sense when you sit down and you start reading that. For example, don't eat shellfish. Well, they did not have uh, the Center for Disease Control. Right. Thank the Lord. That's probably why they were as healthy as they were. Uh, they did not have, I'm sorry, I should have said, um, they, they, they did not have, you know, the health department and those kind of things. So God gave them some dietary laws, which if you look at those dietary laws are really smart, they are. but I thank the Lord that all of that's done away with because I'm going to go get me some shrimp today for lunch with my So, wife. Mac, that mm-hmm. is, that was for them at that time. Yes. Not us now. No. That's right. has nothing to do with the redemption. The dietary. Nothing no, to do it has with nothing to do with redemption. Well, Jesus it, makes that clear it, himself. It, yeah. yeah. So you, you've got things like that that you just have. For example, 
you know, when somebody builds a house, I think I use this illustration. It talks about putting up a parapet around it or a fence around the top. Their, their roofs were flat. That was for the care of other people. Understand God always cares for people. And so God gave a lot of civil laws that express moral behavior because we should care about other people. That's why I started out, and I know you don't want to go down this road, uh, with the whole issue of indentured servant, that if you knock well, no. his tooth out, yeah, yeah. Well, you got Because a lot of people free. say the Bible promotes the kind of slavery we had in this country. No way. And, and that's not what it's that, that is just kooky. People that read that, or I don't think they even read the Bible. Right. I most, mean, most of what you see these things about how handling people who are working for you, right. 99% of this is is about indentured servants yes. who are trying to pay a debt off. Yes, like almost we'd say employees today. Right. Except they they're not getting paid because they owe you money. Right. Or they owe you something, and then you also see that the practice of going and capturing people and making them slaves. The Bible always speaks the, the, against the, that. The, the Bible says if you're caught doing that, we're just going to kill you. We put to death. That would tend to put down this yeah. issue of slavery. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you so, know. So now, you, did some people do it? Sure, they did. You know, just like some pe- other people break the law of God, you know, yeah. they did as well. So, but, but when I'm looking at the Bible and I see God's standard for marriage. Yes. And then then I see God talking about shellfish. Right. That's two different yes. situations. Yes. And, and, and the part, and, and for those of us that are Gentiles and for those of us that are the church, all but one of those has been completely fulfilled. Now, the, ci- the civil could still be in play because sure. we have governments and, yeah. and all and that. And in that civil law, there's there's the element of the moral that you treat people fair. Of course. And that's what God was to Understand this. God just brought these Hebrews out of 400 years of slavery. They were in slavery, and they were worshiping not just God. They were worshiping the Egyptian gods. Right. They were actually slaves. They were beaten. They right. All of their rights were taken away from them. God brings them out of that. So it's just like you going into, I don't know, let's, you, you're going into the backwoods of Canada where people just live, you know, with, and I don't mean this about Canadian, but you find them in, deep in the woods and they don't, they don't have any you, law. You don't have to or anything. around Canadians. You you got to you you got to you, you bring you bring them out. You got to right. give them one, two, three, right. A, B, C. Right. You know, don't don't eat these kind of animals because right. they're they're really they're unclean. Right. You know, you don't have a way to process pigs. Right. So that. You you don't get sick off, and it of worked. It. His yes. pe- his people didn't have the diseases that, that the that the pagan right. nations had. That's exactly right. Yeah, they didn't have the venereal diseases that the pagan nations had. Right, uh, because you had one husband, one wife for life. Uh, all right, when, when we come back, uh, we've got one more thing that 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 is in the middle of all this. That seems it seems. To go well, I'm not. I don't fully understand this one because it made it made the ten, mm-hmm. but it still seems to be fluctuating, and that is the Sabbath. Yeah, and the church, how, how the church should see the Sabbath, and 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 we'll talk about that when we come back uh, on Rick and Bubba University the podcast. All right, so I know we don't like to talk about life insurance, but but you have to. Uh, and let me tell you this: if you want to be responsible, and Bubba, I know you and I have been pitched every kind of. 
I mean, we've all done this, and you, you got to do this, and I got there's an account that goes with this, and you hey, this is how you can build your, your college. They got all kind of names to them. Let's just talk about this. Here's what we want to know when it comes to life insurance. I died. Did the money go to my family? Right. Did they, they taken care did, of? Did they get what what they were supposed to get? Well, Ladder has taken this and simplified that. I want y'all to hear this number. Did you know if you're applying for three million dollars in coverage or less, you you don't have to see a doctor. Wow. No doctors, no needles, no paperwork. It's a hundred percent digital. Uh, customers rate this process four point eight out of five stars. Uh, so we're talking about Trustpilot made them uh, also Forge Magazine put them best life insurance. That's happened in twenty twenty one. All you need is a few minutes. We're not going to surprise you with hidden fees. You can cancel anytime you want. If you change your mind in the first thirty days, you get a full refund. Uh, the, these policies are from insurers that have been vetted, long proven histories of paying claims. They get an A and A plus rating. Uh, so uh, life insurance costs, Bubba, here's the other thing you and I know. Hello, 50, 58, 59 years mm-hmm. old. Um, ladderlife.com slash Rick Bubba. Go there now because life insurance gets more expensive the older you get. Ladderlife.com slash Rick Bubba. That's L A D D E R life.com slash Rick Bubba. Mac Brunson, uh, we got a few minutes left in uh, Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. And Mac, the Sabbath. Yes. The Sabbath, the Sabbath. We just laid out, you know, the three laws of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, the moral law is, is unchanging. Yep. Uh, the ceremonial and the sacrificial law has been fulfilled. That's all been fulfilled. In Christ. Yeah. But when, when did the church come up with meeting on the first day of the week and not keeping the Sabbath of the Old Testament. What What's going on there? Ex- explain this to us. Well, Because there are some people that are yeah, even of the church that say we, we weren't supposed to give up the Sabbath. Yeah. So, Well, uh, I don't think we did give up the Sabbath. Okay. Uh, I think we celebrate the greatest event in human history right. on Sunday, and that is the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Even those who believe that the Sabbath is on Saturday. It, and the question with that is, is if we're going to be that strict on that, um, you, you're going to have to go back to Friday night, Sabbath beginning on Friday night, because uh, True. the Hebrews, sunset. Yeah. yeah, Hebrews, it starts at sunset and it goes to sunset. So, you know, just saying that, you know, there's, there's a little bit of, yeah, I, I don't, I don't but, want to say see. hypocrisy in right. that, but yeah. there's, there's not, you're not really adhering to it the way it actually was adhered to. And you well, saw Jesus; he started start taking on when when human beings started making the Sabbath into something that he said his yeah, father never intended. He, he yeah, was constantly doing stuff on the Sabbath so they would get to get on him about it. Well, you know, he he heals the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath, which right. basically, to me, is a miracle that says your religion has withered you. Mm. I've come to set you free. I've come to give you really, I've come to give you life. And of course, Jesus says, you know, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So we celebrate the greatest event in history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ on that. And you see that begin to shift in the New Testament. You get to Acts 20 and, you know, Paul talks about, you know, he begins to speak. They've gathered on the first day of the week. He talks about, you know, laying aside. Now, this is a good one right here. Laying aside a, your tithe and bringing it on the first day of the week. So you begin to get that toward the middle of uh, the first Christian century, let's say 50 or 
60 or so right in there. So there's that shift. And the shift is this, is that Jesus Christ should be celebrated. He is the fulfillment of the law. And um, to me, that's just really not even an issue. Yeah, well, and you know, I, you've been to Israel twenty something times, yeah, and yep. and I've been once, and Sherry's about to go back again with some women, and and I, I've seen what they've turned it into. We're pushing the button on the elevator is work. Oh yeah, and yeah, and, and yeah. this kind of stuff uh, on the Sabbath. Of course, they'll yeah. let a Gentile do it. I guess we're they don't care yeah. what happens to us, but but the. Uh, <laughs> But you know, it, it's uh, is it more it, of a practicality? It, just, Mac, it that, kind of that, became that God bizarre. had the example. He rested on the seventh day. Right, right. That He knows in our physical bodies, we need a day, we need a break to recharge, and He wanted a day that we could worship Him. Yes, and that be the priority, not everything else. I think it's a day set aside where we do everything in light of the worship of our God. Now, hey, it suits me. Let's take Saturdays and Sundays and shut everything down. I'd right. be happy with that. Yeah, you're right. That wouldn't bother me a bit in the world. Um, but to say there's no precedent on the church beginning to gather on the Lord's Day just isn't true. I mean, you just no, gave one yeah, example on yeah. Acts 20. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's been some people saying Constantine did that. Uh, you know, and but we we do have some people. It's not a, a large number, but they they kind of like to die on that hill. I mean, yeah. it's it's if you don't follow that, then they yeah. won't they won't even deal with you on anything. Else. Well, I. I just say God bless you. you know, I don't. I don't want to fuss with them, but God bless you. Uh, about four minutes left. We would be remiss if we did not present the gospel. Yeah. Are there many ways to heaven? No. There are a lot of ways to hell. <laughs> uh, but there's one way to heaven, and uh, the the great news of the gospel is this, and you don't find it anywhere else in any other religion. Islam is basically, you've got to do the best you can. Even Muhammad said in the Quran, he did not know if he would go into paradise because you will not know until you're dead whether your good works outweigh all the bad in your life. The great news of the gospel is this, John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things I've written to you who believe on the name of Jesus Christ, that you might know you have eternal life. I am so thankful that I am not only saved, but I can know that I'm saved. And it's not based on my works. Every religion will tell you these are the things you must do in order to enter into whatever. For Buddhism to enter into nirvana. You know, for Hinduism to be reborn in a, right. an upper life. But here is a Savior who came to me and mm. spoke the truth and said, you're a sinner, and there's no way you can save yourself from your sin. So I've come to save you. And he goes to a cross, and he dies for me in my place to pay my debt, to pay my penalty. Can I, can I do a quick little story right here? Mm, we got three my, minutes. My dad had an eighth-grade education, mm-hmm. had his own business, me growing up, a furniture business. He did really well for himself not to have had but an eighth-grade education. He had two sets of books. One set of books were those that were great accounts. He carried accounts. The other set of books were those that we knew that when somebody came to pay on their bill, uh, this set of books were, you know, these folks didn't pay really well. Right, yeah. Well, in the back of that, my dad had a ledger sheet for some select that I'd looked through after he passed away. 
And in the back, my dad had just written across some of these, debt forgiven, mm. too poor to pay, too poor to pay, mm. debt forgiven. I'm glad that I had a heavenly father that said, you are too poor to pay this debt back, so I'm going to pay it for you. Amen. And, and Jesus went to a cross to pay a debt that I owed but could not pay. He did not owe it, but he could pay it. And he did. Yeah, it's it's like confirmation and the conversation I had with a guy. It was in Nicaragua. He was I heard somebody talking English, and I thought, oh, this is a bit much easier opportunity since I speak his language. Of course, he was <laughs> claiming to be an atheist. I thought so. I find the only atheist in Nicaragua, <laughs> and uh, and he says, I'm sorry, sir. I cannot believe in a God that sends people to hell. And I said, then you don't know the God that I serve. Oh, boy. I said, the one I serve delivers people from hell. Yeah. We yeah. send ourselves to hell. Amen. I mean, he's he, I mean, a whole even, purpose in his coming. You was don't even to save understand the gospel that. to save that. Yeah. To say that. Yeah. You know, we, we're the ones who had the problem. He was the one, one that was perfect. He's the one coming to save us from that. Amen. And that's where we're headed there without him. <laughs> right. And that, and that sets this faith. Yeah. Whatever you call it, followers of Jesus, Christianity, yeah. it sets it apart, as you just laid out, from every other option you have. Yeah. This is the only truth. Yeah. And the way you and the good news is if you're watching this, listen to this, he's done it. You can be redeemed. Amen. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man will come to the Father but through me. And all you gotta do is say, I repent, I acknowledge I'm too poor to pay. Yeah. And Jesus, I understand that you will forgive me this debt. Yeah. yeah. He says, if you're sincere about that, I will. And tell him you want him to forgive it. Yeah. And say you'll leave faith in yourself and put your faith in him. Yeah. I talked to a big, if I brought him in here, he was a big old boy. Yeah. And I mean, he was in shape last night. He's, he's going to walk the aisle Sunday. Praise God. And I'm going to baptize him. Amen. And he's trusted in Christ. Amen. Isn't that yeah. great? He's a, he's a, he is a man's man, I'm telling you. We'll, we'll put him to work. Yep. Yeah, yep. Just, just when you're done with him, hand him off. I'll he's mar he married to a sweet little girl with blonde hair. She's not, she's not half his size, man. And um, I talked to him last night right there in front of his wife. Praise God. Yep. Yeah. Thank you for being with us. Yeah, it's great. Good Come to back see, see you us guys. again, man. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. And thanks to each and every one of you for joining us on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast.